Our first reading is from Acts, the sixth and seventh chapter. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. And Stephen said, Brothers and fathers, hear me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. <clears throat> now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. 
The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. The second reading is from 1 Peter, the second chapter. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for whose own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel assigned for today is from the Gospel of St. John. We'll begin with the 13th chapter. Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? But Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now but you will follow afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, 
And you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is the gospel of the Lord. Now for the, for the sermon time, some of the stuff that went into the sermon this week, just so you can, sometimes it helps to know what's going on in the life of the person talking so that you have an idea of how to receive their words. And so in this last week, we had an anniversary of my, uh, my grandfather's funeral service. Years ago, he had his funeral service. So that was on my mind. This last week, I was brought very aware that a, a dear woman who has been like a mother to me at times and a, a mother to one of my dear friends, she is now entering into the hospice phase of her life. And so thinking about saying goodbye and, and, and remembering faith in the midst of that. And then on top of that, the gratitude for the women, my mom and other women who have just loved on me over my life and sisters and brothers. So that's all stirring up along with challenging conversations amongst people in our society and they're maneuvering in such a ways that sometimes they're not mindful that they're to love each other, that they're just trying to win and they're like frustrated and they're taking it out and it's, it's just awkward and God has more for us than that. So that's been the stuff that's in swirl my head behind some of the message today. So with that, we're going to start. There's a famous theologian and speaker, his name is Karl Barth. We had to read his books in seminary and uh, one of the theologians that was famous in the 20th century. Anyway, he was invited to present a lecture to a group of students at Princeton University. He accepted the invitation, and there he shared his thoughts about the person of Christ. After the presentation was over, they allowed time for the students to approach microphones placed out in the auditorium so that they had a question for Dr. Bart that they could ask him. So at that, one of the students approached and he asked a question that was probably on your mind like it's been on my mind at least a couple times in our lives. The student said this, Sir, do you think that God has revealed himself in other religions and not just Christianity? Bart stood strong, and, he, and this Bart, uh, Dr. Bart, he gave a very strong answer, and it kind of stunned the, 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 the gathering of students there at first, and in some of the professors as well. He said, he said no to that. God has not revealed himself in any religion, including Christianity. God has revealed himself in his son, Jesus the Christ. He went on to the next question. God has revealed himself in Jesus. It's not about religion. 
So as we begin and continue the sermon time, remember that we're not called to believe in a religion. We're not called to believe in, in, a, in, a, in a group or a, a community that calls themselves according to religion. That is not what we're called to follow and focus on. We are called to do three things, to believe, trust, and follow a person. Simple. Believe and trust and follow a person. And that, that person that we're going to follow not only spoke for God, but that person is God. We are called to believe, trust, and follow Jesus, the Son of God. It's good for us to remember that fact this day and every day. It's good for us to speak that fact and to keep that fact in the center of our lives, our personal lives, and as our lives as church communities. Especially today, because a church family across the earth is celebrating a fifth Sunday of Easter. We're now five weeks into celebrating that our Lord rose from the dead. He is alive and he is very well. Now, five Sundays later, the church is remembering that Jesus gave them something back then in history. And as the church is remembering what he gave back then, they can now figure out how to live now. Because in this cycle in the church thing, we remember that he rose and he's been appearing to the disciples. They've been remembering some things. And today they are remembering what he did then because it's necessary for today. And as they go forward, it helps us now. So as the church gives us this gift and this historical perspective, what we're remembering is that Jesus loved so much and he had so much wisdom and insight about where the disciples were going to go and where they were going to be. And not just for those 12, but for the Christians from that day going forward for us today, that Jesus had the wisdom and his insight to give us this and to place it within this timeline of a church calendar so that we could remember that he already knows what's happening and he's going to bless us now and as we go through and the challenging thing that he's presenting to us and he wants to bless us through is a goodbye. There are a few things in this life, few things that will touch us as long, as deep, or as completely as a goodbye. When we're young, we're, we're introduced to goodbye. When we're children, we're introduced to goodbyes and we don't like them. Friends, we've, we've met maybe a new friend and a new friend comes into town or we meet them and they become a new friend and they're in our lives and, and then they move away. Maybe you can remember the first time your, your best friend moved away. Maybe it wasn't your best friend who moved. Maybe it was you who moved. And as you moved, you said goodbye to your best friend and all the cluster of anything you ever knew to be friends all at once. Can you remember that goodbye? And as children, we're introduced to the fact that we have pets, and one moment they're with us, and they're puppy dogs, and they're licking us with that puppy dog breath, and those sharp little puppy dog teeth biting on us, and playfulness. We watch them grow through their life cycle, and they're like our best friends forever because they're always there. They always love us no matter how we smell, how we look, or whether we're even nice or not. They just love us. And then these, these pets sometimes, as they always do, they pass, and there's a goodbye. Can you remember the time you first said goodbye to your beloved pet? 
And as we grow older, this, the goodbyes, they only get more serious. They only get more profoundly deep, these goodbyes. There's a conclusion as we maybe go into teen years or younger years or after the teen years of about a first love, a real love. And oh, how the parents would wonder if their little boy or their little girl would ever be okay when that breakup occurs. And then there's a high school, high school graduation. You're saying goodbye to your home. You're saying goodbye to your school. You're saying goodbye to your world. You're saying goodbye to your friends. And you're saying goodbye to your your youth. There's a goodbye to your baby boy or your baby girl as, as you watch them now growing up and they're heading off to college or they're heading out in a way as they, they go to their jobs and their callings in this life and they won't be home like they were. There's, an, oh, there's a time when each one of us will say goodbye to our grandmother or our grandfather as we watch their bodies weaken and, and pass away. Goodbye to our moms, goodbye to our dads, goodbye to brothers, sisters, spouses, children, as we watch their bodies weakened and pass away. There are few things in life that touch us as long and as deep and as completely as a goodbye, especially a goodbye because of death. In today's gospel lesson, the one assigned for today, this fifth week of Easter, a lesson that the disciples are remembering now after the crucifixion and resurrection, this gospel lesson, Jesus is telling his friends and his disciples that he is going to leave. This separation is not simply, oh, I'm just going to go across town or I'm going to go hang out on the other side of the Sea of Galilee for a little while. This separation is going to be because of a betrayal and an arrest and a death. What's particularly helpful about this gospel lesson is that Jesus is not simply saying goodbye. Jesus is listening to the the natural human responses, the heartfelt, gut-felt responses of his friends. He is loving his friends, and he is gifting his friends with a truth about what is real and what the future holds from his perspective. Peter, Thomas, Philip, each are named in the gospel lesson and each are responding to Jesus' words differently. Each is struggling with this impending goodbye differently. And for each, Jesus has a godly insight, not just for those three, but for everyone who will touch on this gospel lesson ever since. He tries to teach each about his insight. And even though this separation will be real, even though the fear and the loss and this heartache and gut ache and and stress from this world stuff is very real, Jesus is showing them how to believe. And he is showing them how to trust. And he's showing them in whom to follow as they go through this time. To help us connect with this lesson, I'm going to invite you to consider or imagine a scene, a picture, almost like a a real-world show, if you will. I want you to imagine a mom and a dad who are in their bedroom, and they're packing their suitcases. They're putting their clothes, they're going to the bathroom, they're getting toothpaste and all that sort of stuff, and they're packing it into their suitcases because they're going to travel to a different place 
because in that different place, they're going to confirm that they have new jobs, and while they're there, they need to secure a home. And now imagine them both being somewhat excited about this, also some sadness because of a move, and maybe some anxiety about the move that just happens. Now into that place, a couple of little children And the little children are there watching mom and dad pack, and they're asking questions. Eventually, a family member comes to the house as they're getting near to the day they got to go, and the family member is going to live with the children and live in their house while the parents are waiting until they come back just to help. So the children, this family member takes the children downstairs maybe and puts them in the kitchen to have a snack or in the living room to do something over there to distract them, maybe outside in the yard to play. But either way, this family member wants them there, but the children, every time they get a chance, they, they leave the family member, they run right up the steps and they go right to the parents' bedroom because they want to be in their presence right now. They want to help. Mom and dad are trying to pack. They're busy about moving around. They've got a plane to catch or something like that. The last-minute chores. And the children, even though they want to help, they're kind of in the way. And the children, well, they want to go too. They don't want to be left. In this scene, the, the parents, they don't want to leave without them, but they know they've got to. So as the time for departure nears, you can almost hear the children asking things like, hey, mom or mommy, well, can, can I come with you? Again and again and again. Or, or Daddy, I'll be good. Can I, can I please come with you? Now, the children may be urging their parents, I can help. I really can. I can do something. I can help. I'll even pack my own bags. You don't have to worry about it. I won't get in the way anymore, Mommy. We promise. Please, can we come with you? The children don't understand like the parents do, do they? The children don't understand time like the parents do. The children don't understand distance and movement like the parents do. The children don't have the big picture and the big plan like their parents do. They're only children. So with that in mind, move to the first century Israel. In this first century city in Israel, there's a small house, and in that city you can imagine a child of God who is named Peter. And, and Peter recognizes that his Lord is leaving. He's heard his Lord's telling him that he's going to leave and that he's maybe even going to die. And Peter is struggling with this. In his heart, his gut, in his mind, and all it is, Peter, he's struggling with this separation. And he says, Lord, where are you going? Lord, why can't I follow you? Why can't I I be with you? Like Peter's saying, like that little child, Lord, I'll be good. If you're going in a harm's way, I'll stand with you. If you're going to fight, I'll fight with you. If you're going to die trying to do something, then I'll die trying with you. Lord, please. Another child of God's there in that room. His name's Thomas. Thomas is is needing a a tangible comfort as he struggles with with this goodbye. And so Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Lord, how can we know where you are? Lord, how can I get to where you're going to be? It is so far away. I have no map. I have no compass. I don't even know what provisions 
Lord. Lord, I don't trust myself. I don't trust my ability to get from here to where you're going to be. Please don't leave yet. There's a third child to speak in this story. His name's Philip, and he's struggling with this loss as well. And he's saying something like this Okay, I don't like this, but I hear what you're saying. You're going to leave, you're going to die. You're going to prepare a place for us. Yeah, yeah, okay, I kind of get that. You have to go. But Lord, before you go and you leave us here all alone, can you show us our heavenly father? Because after you're gone, I'm going to need him. When I am missing you, Lord, I'm going to need the Father. Lord, when I'm confused with life, I'm going to need the Father. Lord, when my courage is fading and my strength is failing, I'm going to need the Father like you have gone to him. I want to go to him. Lord, where he is, I want to be. I need this Father. Lord, I hear that you say you have to go. But before you go, can you show us the Father? There are a few things in life that touch us as long and as deeply and as completely as a goodbye. And there is no one in life who can bring comfort and peace like Jesus. No friends, no pastors, No distractions in video games, television sets, hobbies, in drinking or sexing or any other distractions you might hurl upon yourself. There'll be no comfort in any of that like there is in Jesus. On this day, I don't know what past goodbyes might have been coming to your mind as I've been talking and sharing this message. I don't know where your heart's at as you've listened to the disciples as they struggle with a goodbye. I also don't know what goodbyes are ahead of you. But I know this and I believe this. And I ask you to hold on to it today, this day and for the rest of your life. That Jesus is the son of God and he's our only way. And he's our truth. and He's our life. It's that simple and that important. And although we're only children of God and we approach God with this children's perspective, we we lack God's understanding of time. We lack God's understanding of space. We lack God's perspective. And he knows it and we know it. And so he calls us back on this fifth Sunday of Easter to remember what he said before there was a, a crucifixion way back then. He's calling us what he said to his disciples in the first century so that we could hold on it to today and to year 2020 and going forward. The message is the same and it cannot be removed from the center of our life. That we are to believe in Jesus. We are to trust in Jesus and we are to follow Jesus in what he says and what he does and how he lives and how he loves and every aspect that Jesus is, we are to follow that. To love like he loves. To serve like he serves. 
To be one with the Father as he's one with the Father. To be filled with the Spirit as he's filled with the Spirit and as he blessed us with the Spirit. Because just like on the day he shared these words with the apostles, just like on the day that the church remembers it five Sundays now after Easter, we remember it this day for the rest of our lives. That we're to fully live in him, that we're to, to believe and to trust and to follow. God help us be that church. Amen. This is time for us to declare our faith. We will do so in the church's words, the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And we will pray. Heavenly Father, we live in a time of uncertainty and unrest. Help us to be a people certain of your power, your love, your presence in our lives this day and for all eternity. Help us to be a people who rest in the truth that your kingdom has been and is now and will forever be, that you are Lord, God. And we will keep our eyes on you. And we will trust you and follow your ways. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. Heavenly Father, with joy and delight, we thank you that a new day has dawned, the new hope is given, that Christ is alive. And you empower us to be alive with him. We thank you that grace is stronger than evil, that mercy is larger than suffering, that joy is greater than sorrow. Lord, we thank you for a season to celebrate Easter. We thank you for birthdays and anniversaries celebrated this week. Thank you, Lord, for sharing your children with us for a time and a season. Thank you for the love between husbands and wives. Bless and protect them. Lord, we thank you for blessing us with companions in life. Lord, we ask that you would sustain the faith of those who are mourning the absence of their loved ones and are about to endure the final days. Lord, we ask you to guide the leaders of nations and the leaders of this nation during a time of a COVID-19 trouble. Lord, we ask that you bless the scientists and the medical professionals with skill and compassion as they take care of the people who are sick. Lord, we ask that you would use Christians to touch the lives of all who are in need, in need of healing, of courage, or peace, especially for those we will name in our hearts now.
Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our table prayer is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.